We are back with show number two for today. This is episode number 229 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So if you are brand new to this show, we are all about defying the odds, overcoming obstacles. I've had guests from all over the world, six continents, 35 different countries, all sharing their stories of overcoming things that tried to take them down. And my, myself included. So those of you that listen to, to the show on the regular, you know, I throw bits and pieces of my story out there too. And it's all to inspire you that no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenges are in your path, you can get through it. And episode after episode, I have guests that have just gone through amazing things. And today's guest is no different. She's going from being homeless to now training people how to become successful. So we're going to dive into that story in a couple minutes. So uh, if you're joining me on the Facebook Live, I know I usually don't stream at this time, so I don't know how much how much interaction we'll get there. But um, just please like and share, because again, the stuff that we share, this is a transformational show. You know, we throw in comedy with you know with my award-winning humor every now and then. But the main purpose of this is to inspire and to help you have some clarity and transformation in your life. And if you want to know who I am and why you should even listen to this show, check it out. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, before I bring on my guests and we dive into the main topic, we got to do the teachable moment of the day. And I know I've done this one on multiple occasions, but just out there in everyday life, I see it. I see it every single day. You got to stop letting people clip your wings. Okay? You were put on this earth for a specific reason. You were put on this earth with a certain mindset, with a certain skill set to add value to other people living on this planet. And it doesn't matter what that skill set is, but you got to step into it. Right. And once you once you step into it and you start working with people and you start changing other people's lives, that lights your soul on fire. Once your soul is lit on fire, you cannot be stopped. It doesn't matter what happens. But the outside noise, people are going to try to derail you. I, I was told people wouldn't take me serious in the speaking podcasting world if I show up in a tank top. Now, I've been speaking virtually all over the world. And this is the 229th episode, and I'm booking into, into the summer with three shows a week. You know what I mean? So because I chose my own path, I'm doing what makes me happy. I'm being my authentic self while I'm doing it. 
and it shows through with each episode. You guys get to see Rob Foster at his core. You guys don't get to see, you know, just the face I put on for the show. This is me. With my guests, we don't use scripted questions. We get up here and we have a real, raw, deep conversation. And because that's real life. Like, that's what happens outside of here. I don't do any edits. I don't do any fancy pop-ups, you know, to make it entertaining. This is real life. And we want to bring you these real stories so that you can really have the transformation shift that you need. So hopefully you get a lot out of this. I, there's no hopefully. I know you're going to get a lot out of this. And I also don't pre-screen my guests either. So the conversation that we have, I'm learning about her in real time. I read a little blurb of her bio, and that was it, because I like to be enlightened as we're enlightening you. So without further ado, let me bring in Natasha Miller. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, Rob. I am already inspired by you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that means a lot. <laughs> so, All right, so you're out in California. Mm -hmm. Are you originally from there? I am originally from the giant city, haha, -ha, of Des Moines, Iowa, in the middle oh, of the country. Gotcha. That is one state I haven't been. I've been to 33 states so far, but Iowa's not one. So it's a <laughs> drive, it's a drive-through state. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. I have heard Iowa and Kansas. Like, like, yeah. don't, like don't expect to see much. <laughs> you do a lot of driving. So what brought you to California? I moved here. 28 years ago <laughs> uh, with my um, now ex-husband who wanted to practice architecture um, out here with some famous architect. And I really wanted to move to New York to be in music and Broadway, but honestly, anywhere but Des Moines was just fine to me. <laughs> and I love it out here and I love New York, but I'm so glad I'm here. Nice. Is, is there anything you miss about living in Iowa? The smell of, you know, freshly cut grass during a thunderstorm. Mm. Uh, sweet corn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, like I grew up in the southern end of Rhode Island, very, very rural. Like my parents had mm. like, an, like an acre, well, they have an acre and a half of land. You know, so lots of woods, trees, same, same thing. It takes, you know, like my lawn here, I can get it done 20 minutes. You know, the, yeah. the one there took like four hours. Yeah. <laughs> just so much grass. But I missed that. We were just down there for Easter. And I was like, I really miss living here. Mm. But I also like the convenience of being near the city. Right. <laughs> you know? Being around so, things that you need and yes. that you can reach without, you know, a 45 minute drive. Exactly. Because where I am here, the bank, the supermarket, uh, liquor store, it's a <laughs> Wal four block radius, right? all within one mile. All yeah. of that's within one mile. Perfect. <laughs> so, all right. So let's dive in to your backstory. So first of all, how would you describe yourself? And, and I'm thinking you, you at your core. Mm -hmm. I am a very driven, very outgoing introvert. Mm. Yeah, I always say I, I'm an I'm an extroverted in, introvert. Cause like put put me in front front of the camera, you get all the personality. Put me in front front of a group. The bigger the group, the better. But the second, like my neighbor, I've lived in this house for seven years. No idea what my next door neighbor's name is. Oh, <laughs> I, know I think it's, it's time it's, to it's, figure that out. But I know it sounds awful, but it's like when when I'm not in my element, I don't want to be bothered with anyone. 
<laughs> so, yeah. That's bad. All right. So driven, outgoing. All right, so have you always been like that? I think I've always been driven. Uh, I have grown into being very outgoing and very confident. Um, and the every year that, you know, comes and goes, I find myself being more introverted, which really means not shy, um, but really need to spend a lot of alone time. And it's hard for me to be around people for very long. So I have about a one and a half to two and a half hour time frame where I can be my best self with other people. And then when that's over, it's over. It's like I turn into a pumpkin and there's nothing I can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I started, I started traveling solo because I also have an ex now. And so uh, I just started tra traveling and I really, really <laughs> like it. <laughs> with you. Every time I'm going so somewhere, the first thing people ask me, who are you going with? I'm like, I'm not going with anyone. <laughs> like, right. I, yeah. I really, it just you know, just being being around people, being in a relationship for twenty plus years, you know, it's like wow, this whole this whole alone thing is kind of cool. <laughs> and, and like you said, it allows you to come back into into focus, so you can yep. show up better for other people. Yep. Yes. All right. So, how would you describe your upbringing? My upbringing was just fraught with tension and trauma and abuse and. Um, I was scared all the time. I was helpless, hopeless. It was really, it was really bad. Yet I still had an internal drive to overcome all of that. And I did everything in my power that I knew how to and that I had access to, to escape it. Um, but it wasn't until I was 16 when I finally called 911 on Christmas Day that I was able to really remove myself from my situation. Okay. Do, do you want to go a little, little deeper into it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's okay. all in my book. So oh, oh, okay. I don't think we can <laughs> avoid what's already been published. Okay. Well, it's just, it's just more so just to go in a li little deeper. Cause I, I feel like going into to this stuff makes what you're doing now just that much more awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So yeah. coming from this environment, because a lot of people who watch this show, they've either been there or they're currently there now. Yeah. You know, so hearing how you navigated it, you know, that'll be their teachable moment. So whatever, right. whatever you want to start with. Well, I mean, as a, as a youth, as a child, especially in the mid 80s, in the middle of the country, there was no Dr. Phil, there was no Oprah, there was nobody talking about anything that wasn't just pleasant. So I was waiting for someone to save me. I was looking for someone to save me. I was expecting, hoping. I was acting in ways that, um, for instance, I would play my violin with my windows wide open so that people outside could think, oh, she has value. And we know what's happening to her. So we're going to go in there and save her. Well, here's the honest truth is no one came to save me. And no one's going to come to save you. However, uh, there are going to be people in your life that um, see you and give you a little lift or a little push or a nudge. And you uh, probably, depending on, you know, your cognitive ability and um 
access and, and drive can save yourself. And that's what I ended up doing eventually. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's expand on that. Cause I think that's very, very important. Like there's a young, a young woman I met a couple of years ago and it's like, she's going through a lot of, a lot of struggles, struggles in her world. And I try to be almost like a big brother figure to her mm-hmm. just to try to try to help her see what can be, you know, mm-hmm. right, right now she only sees what is and what was. And I'm just trying to tell her, if you stay in that state, you're never going to escape it. You're no, never but gonna. let me tell you this, and you may understand this, and she probably is um, experiencing this. There is comfort in what's known. There's comfort yeah. in the um, trauma and abuse. And sometimes it it's easier to stay there and wallow in your grief and your situation and spiral out in remembering everything that happened to you in the past. I'm guilty of that. But what it does is it keeps you there and it keeps you from moving forward. And it's up to you to change uh, the way you think and the way that you believe your life can be. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. So many, so many people, even in the fitness world, like when I'm, when I'm at at my gym and I'm just working with people on, on their goals, and they're like, oh, I, I have to, I have to change this, or I have to do that. Well, if you if you don't do anything new, you're not gonna get anything new. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like that's that's not how this works. <laughs> like this is a give and take relationship. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you don't have to change everything overnight. No, and, and don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a recipe for disaster. You yeah, can't backtrack. Transform your entire anything. It starts with little repeatable changes yes yeah um with every fitness challenge that i host i have everyone in in their food journal i had them write a proud moment of the day Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't even have to be your moment like someone could pay for someone's coffee in the drive-thru line it's like Mm -hmm. wow you know what that's awesome you know right now this moment i love humanity you know it's like we're we're so quick to just harp on the negatives Mm -hmm. but it's like one thing one of my mentors did in 2020 she had us write a badass list. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you do, especially, especially if, if it's your, your career, you don't really look at it as something something that's badass. But once you start actually writing down the things you do, it's like, I am awesome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Like totally, totally lift up your mood and your spirits and try to help break that that mold. But yeah. back to you. Okay, so keep keep walking me through through how you got out of it? Well, I mean, I think when um, I was being threatened by my mother on Christmas Day with a butcher knife, um, she was wanted to kill me. And this was not new. Uh, this yeah. behavior wasn't new. But there was something about the way she looked and the tone of her voice that I was like, this is going to happen. Like, this is it. And it c- could have been it. Right. There's countless stories of this kind of thing happening to people all the time. And I had the wherewithal and the bravery to pick up the phone and call for help. Yes. Now, back then, um, the police weren't able to help a domestic 
violence case, especially with a parent abusing a child. So I didn't, I wasn't gushing with blood and I didn't have broken bones. Yeah. And those are the two things that would have allowed them to remove me from the home or remove her. And so they would have left me there, which would have been worse. That would have been like, who knows, right? Well, but, I'd have been like she had a butcher knife. <laughs> you know? I mean, she wasn't holding it when they got there. So, gotcha. um, but they handed my dad a card that said, if you don't think that she's safe here, you can take her to this place. And the place was the youth emergency shelter. And so I, on Christmas day, uh, rushed up to my room and packed a hefty black garbage sack with a few things. You don't, there's no way for you to know what to grab, especially when you're 16. Mm -hmm. So there are some really random things in that bag. And I left my violin behind because I didn't think I would be there that long. I don't, I didn't know what was happening, but I never came back and I've been on my own since. So, you know, that those are the beginnings of me saving myself is advocating for myself. Just two shows ago, I, I, I had, I did an episode, this woman, Janae, very similar story. Mm. She was, she was 16. Her mother actually drove her to the homeless shelter and left her, <laughs> you know, and, and now she's, she's doing similar to, to what, to what you are like, not, not exactly the same thing, but similar, mm -hmm. but it's just, just amazing. Like two almost parallel stories in, in just two days apart. Yeah. But you said something there that was super, super powerful that, you know, you mentioned the tension, the trauma, the abuse, the scared, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless, but you had to drive to overcome, right? Mm -hmm. Explain that. I had a passion for music from the time before I could walk. And I can see that in photos because I'm standing next to the piano, like reaching up in my diaper, uh, wait, you know, as my dad was playing and I had a talent for music. So that was my ticket out. I didn't know where or how, but I was, I was musically gifted. And, and in fourth grade, I came across um, free violin lessons in the school district, which many schools don't have this any longer, but I got a, a violin that I didn't have to pay for free group lessons. Wow. And that um, I was the first, um, I was a sixth grader in the high school youth symphony. And then in seventh grade, that conductor saw a talent in me and had me studying with a college professor. And then I ultimately went on to get full ride scholarships to colleges. And this is all while this abuse and trauma is happening at home. So it was my escape. And it was also my ticket out eventually. And, and that directly ties in to the teachable moment of the day where I said, once your soul is lit on fire, you are unstoppable. Yeah. So even though you had all of that stacked against you, you stepped into an outlet. Cause like yeah. one day when people are stuck in that wheel, I always say you need an outlet, whether it's the gym, whether it's music, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, philanthropy, no, helping yeah. other people. Yes. You yeah. Something you gotta, you gotta transfer that energy to something that excites you. And so for you, that was music. So mm -hmm. how did you move forward from there? I think, you know, every, it's like, it's an inchworm, 
right? It's not huge leaps and bounds to getting to success and getting to healing. And sometimes it's inching a little bit forward and then sleeping back and then inching, you know, a little bit more forward. So it eventually, you know, I have seven recordings, seven CDs of my own music. I've toured all over. I was, I'm a voting member of the Grammys and, um, you know, all of that. And I have a profitable multi-million dollar business that was started because of my performing and it's an event and entertainment production company. Now we're hosting events for Salesforce and Google and Apple and programming the entertainment for it, but also planning the events from A to Z. And that is a huge leap and bound, but it happened over the course of 20 years of just chipping away at it. So, so let's talk about that chipping away. Cause uh, I actually just shared this in um, the last, the last show I did at 11, 11, my time is that's that's the part people don't don't understand mm. it's like i mean yeah you get you get some some people that can just put up something and it's instantly successful but like when i when i started with my gym i started in the spare bedroom of my old my old house now you know group fitness is mostly female so mm. I, I i had women come into my house from a craigslist ad <laughs> right from a craigslist ad training in my spare bedroom you know but like I said, once you zero in on something, the universe finds a way. Yeah, it, it just finds a way to to make it all come together. So I went from my spare bedroom to my basement to my garage to the <laughs> state to the state park diagonal. Yeah, and uh, no college degree, mm-hmm. no no marketing background, no branding background. I didn't have any of that stuff. I was a restaurant ma- manager, so I did know operational stuff that that I could transfer over. But I knew I was good at getting people to believe in themselves. It's like, and this was when Planet Fitness was just starting to pop up. Oh yeah. So you're talking ten dollar a month gym, right? And right. I got people coming to my house to train in my spare bedroom. <laughs> you know, so so it doesn't have to look pretty for you to start. You just no. have to start, and then over time you build up. And we were able to open up a five thousand square foot facility with no debt because I had hundred and fifty clients the day we opened. Yeah. You no. Know? So it's like you it doesn't have to be overnight. And that took from 2009 to 2014. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's just about getting started. The joy is the journey. And if you aren't enjoying the journey and the inchworming up and then like dealing with the backing, like that's too bad. That's really unfortunate if you can't enjoy the steps to where you're going. Yes. And if you're not clear on where you're going. You know, it's it's like, and, and I'm not saying like, what's what's the end destination, but you just have to know, I want, I knew I wanted a profitable gym. You know, like a lot of gyms open and close within 18 months. Mm. Like, you know, I didn't want to be another statistic. So it's like, right. this is what I want, but how can I get there? I see all these places open and they got all the state-of-the-art equipment and the fancy lighting and all this other stuff. And, but like, you have no people. <laughs> it's like so so none of that stuff matters if you don't have people. Correct. You know? So just get back to you. So so now you have you have the passion for the music, right? You're starting to go through. When did you turn it into a business? Listen, it was a business um 
from the time I was 15 and that I was making money, okay. but officially with a business license and, you know, tax returns <laughs> it was 2001. Okay. And um, I, I named it Entire Productions. And I didn't have full-time employees quite yet. I was very frugal. I was bootstrapping it. Yeah. And I had some interns, some part-time people. I knew not to commit to a full-time person. I wasn't savvy or mature enough for that. And that was a good choice. But as the years went by, in those first years, it was a lifestyle business, which means it was really paying for just me and my life. It, there wasn't enough profit margin or revenue to allow for other people. Um, but as I grew and matured and studied and learned more things, um, and also as my performance career was blossoming, I, I started to scale and grow it. And then I realized that it could be much bigger than just me and my lifestyle. By the way, my lifestyle was pretty humble. So don't get too excited. The Gucci bag that I have, one, only came, you know, recently in the last five years. But that's not my focus. And that's why I get to enjoy my life so much is because I'm not buying um, over-the-top expensive things to make me feel good because I already feel good because yeah. I've come so far and I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. That is the ultimate freedom and success. See, and tasting homelessness is like I've, I've never been homeless, but I've hit my share of rock bottom. And when you hit it, it sucks. <laughs> it really, really sucks. So it's like, and you, you know what that hurt feels like. So, you know, you can have that, that appreciation. It's like even thinking about fitness, like I was always fit growing up. I'm the youngest of seven. And we, oh, were, wow. all, and we were all athletes, like including my parents. It's like we were all athletes. Oh, wow. So I let myself go once when my, my ex-wife just abandoned myself with my, at the time, I think he was 13 month old son. Wow. Just left. I was ma managing restaurants then, and I was that dad. You know, I was working anywhere from ten to fourteen hours a day. I didn't know. I didn't know when he ate. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what medicines he took. <laughs> like I knew nothing. She was just gone, and um, it was it was a, a big change to, to my system because I still had to work. It's like what what do I do? Right. And I, I ended up letting myself go, and uh, you know, packed on some pounds, and. I just realized I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not being me. It's like, this isn't me. Mm. You know, it has nothing to do with fat shaming or anything. Like, it just wasn't me. It's like, I was an all American athlete. Like, <laughs> it's like, how did I get here? You know, it's like where I, I, I lived on the third floor at the time. Like I get, I get to, to, into my apartment. And I can't breathe. You know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to live this way. And so I was able to work to get back to where I was fit. Cause I felt it. You know, yeah. But someone who's never been fit, they they just have to have the belief, and it's the same thing in business. Like if if you if you're making X amount of dollars and you want to make say six or multiple six figures, for you initially that's going to seem like it's so far away, but but you got to have that belief system. So what fueled your belief system? Now mm -hmm. I, I know I know you said you 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 were always driven. But just I was always driven, but the belief system happens when you work hard, you do the work, and then there's a positive outcome. Yeah. And you want to repeat that and you keep repeating that. And the outcomes 
get bigger and bigger and bigger, hopefully. I remember, um, you know, getting a $5,000 check from a client and going, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. Then the next time, you know, a $20,000 check felt like a big amount. Yeah. And then a million dollar wire transfer Damn. from a client. I was like, eh, yeah, it's becoming normal. Yeah. And that is the way that you scale up your brain and your mind is these little incremental wins. And, you know, you're going to have losses or setbacks along the way. But as long as you keep, you know, keep getting those wins, those setbacks are like, oh, that's just a learning moment, a teachable moment. Yeah. Right. And you can let those go easily or easier. Yeah, it's it's just like te teaching a teaching a toddler to walk. <laughs> it's like they keep falling and falling and falling, or just resorting back to crawling, and, and you don't discourage them from walking. <laughs> you know, <It's> like <laughs> you keep keep encouraging, you keep encouraging, and then eventually it'll happen. But just too many people are so quick to just give up. You know, because yes, I mean, giving up is it's really unfortunate because I think a lot of people are looking for shortcuts or hacks mm. and. The true shortcut, the true shortcut, and I wish people would really understand this, is just do the work, figure it out, read the book, take the course, do the work, and then you're going to be so far ahead of everyone else and of yourself. Yes. And yeah, I just don't, it's hard for me to understand why people aren't doing that. Um, even in my darkest hours, I knew that I'd like pull myself out of a depression and into somebody's positive world, right? Listen to the words, listen to the stories, learn. Even if it didn't like completely get me out of the situation that moment, I just knew day after day that that was a way for me to pull myself out of the hole. Yes, it, it's about knowing knowing your, your value as well. I went, I think it was in 2012, I went to this seminar in Chicago and the guy speaking, he asked the crowd, it was like five, five to 6,000 people there in, um, in attendance. And he says, what's one hour of your time worth? Mm. And you could hear a pin drop in that place. <laughs> and everyone was like, that's a solid question. <laughs> you know? And he's like, if somebody wants one hour of my time, he says $5,000. Mm -hmm. He's like, and for, for some people, it's even it's even more than that. But he's yeah. like, where, where I am, he's like, it's five thousand dollars. Like, what's your rate? What's one hour of your time worth? Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's like I have it down now, but it's like back then, I was like, I, I don't know. It's like this is new. Like I'm used to getting a paycheck. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's like, a whole so, different way of thinking. Yeah, because somebody else decides your value when you're when you're an employee. So it's like, right. is, is it too high? Kind of kind of like you were saying, five thousand seemed like a lot. Twenty thousand seemed late, like mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, so when you're valuing yourself, it's the same thing. It's like, do I charge 200? Okay. Five people paid me 200. Do I charge 500? And 10 people paid me 500. It's like, <laughs> so you just keep going, 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 and people keep paying. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. So, so entire, entire production. So what, what do you do? Entire productions um, does two main things. We provide entertainment of every discipline and every genre. So that means anywhere from a dance band, a DJ, a didgeridoo, casino tables, et cetera, et cetera, aerialists pouring champagne um, for these large scale corporate events. And then we also, as another division, plan full 
uh, production events for major corporations. Sometimes a corporation just needs the talent and the entertainment from us. Sometimes they need us to plan and produce their entire event. And how do you find the talent? That is something that has happened organically because I'm a musician and, you know, I'm a jazz vocalist, a classically trained violinist. And then we just have our ear to the ground and any really good professional talent that's out there finds us or we find them. Uh, we don't typically book amateur um, talent yeah. if they're excellent at what they do, but they have a job like a day job doing something else. Yeah, we'll mm -hmm. consider them, but really our stable of performers, this is what they do. And if they aren't performing full time, they're teaching, they're, you know, doing recordings in studios and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're getting million dollar, dollar checks, you, you're thinking like NFL. That's, <laughs> stuff like well, that. the mil that's for a headline performer. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and so how, how'd you come up with that concept? Well, it came out of, you know, my performing at weddings and social events and corporate events as a violinist and a jazz vocalist. Mm. Then I was being asked to be booked on the same night that I was already booked. And instead of turning the gig down, which you do not do when you're on your own at 16, you need any income you can. Yeah. I brought in other groups that were similar to me and managed them. And then that just metamorphosed into the booking agency, which is how entire production started. And that turned into a planning agency because we were so good with our systems and processes and attention to detail, design and, and producing that our clients are like, okay, we're getting this dance band and the lighting from you, but you guys have your shit together. Can you plan the whole thing? And, you know, that started years ago. So now we have those two divisions. Love it. I just tagged my nephew in this, in this, uh, oh, yeah. on the Facebook street. Yeah. Cause he's a, he's a singer. He's a, he's down in New York city and cool. he, he does that. He does, he, I think he does mostly weddings, but like he mm -hmm. does, he does other gigs too. Mm -hmm. And like, I think, think he can definitely find value on what, what you just shared. It's like, I don't know what his, his long-term goals are, but right. I know, I know he's doing well. Like he, he just got a, got an, an apartment in Manhattan. So, you, you know, that's not easy, nope. <laughs> so, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think he'd definitely be be intrigued by your by your journey. That's awesome. All right, so what's what's next? Well, what's next is what's current, and that is I just re uh, released this book. I'm going to show it to you. It's okay. called Relentless: Homeless Teen to Achieving the Entrepreneur Dream, and I am so proud to say that it's getting incredible reviews. Um, I'm surprised at how many men are so passionate about what I've written and what I've divulged. There's a lot of vulnerability and raw truth in here. There are things in this book that I never told anyone, including a best friend and a therapist. Um, but it is also just, just recently um, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling book. Awesome. And last night I found out that I won <clears throat> number one in all books for the London Book Festival and the Firebird Book Awards. Wow. So what's next is continuing to tell people about the book, uh, speaking engagements. I'm teaching people how to write their own story and their own memoir, as well as publish and market it. 
And I love it. And, you know, as the CEO of my company, I'm more of a visionary and a strategist. I'm not working in it day to day. I don't work with clients any longer. I'm not managing the team. I'm not responsible for the sales, which is a really positive thing for a a growing, scaling business. So that's those are the next. Um, today, after this interview, I'm going to the Covenant House, which is a homeless shelter. They have uh, locations all over the United States and I think Canada. And I'm doing a presentation there to some of the homeless youth and the staff. Nice. Um, a part of my speaking and book sales go to directly to Covenant House. So it's near and That's dear. Great. It's similar to the place I stayed in when I was 16. Well, yeah, you can you can speak to to them and that that matters it's like i always talk talk on a show about relatability mm-hmm. and and i always i always use pregnancy as an example cuz like i've trained i've trained a lot of pregnant women over mm-hmm. the years you know like i'm pre and postnatal fitness certified i can i can tell you what you're going to feel every inch of the pregnancy every <laughs> inch and but if I'm speaking like a woman doesn't want to hear from me about that topic, you know, even though I can give you some insight, they want to know someone that's been through it. Yeah. You know, so like working with people with injuries, you know, I've had I've had seven surgeries, you know, and I and I battled back from all of them. Like, you know yeah. how people ask you in Zoom meetings, like, what's one thing we never know just by look just by looking oh, at it? Oh yeah. Because yeah. the thing, seven surgeries, I'd be like crippled or something. Yeah. No, I still play softball, volleyball, I still run track and field, I run obstacle course races, you know. And and but just sh- sharing those stories with when people get hurt and they think they're too old to do stuff, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Nope. It's all it's all on your mind, my friend. You know, yep. so so sharing those stories that you've been through is key. So what is your feedback like when you're pouring into to these, these kids? I mean, let's just be honest. If you look at me, I look like a sort of middle upper class white woman who's probably educated and probably came from a good wholesome family. Like mm-hmm. that's what you see. Yeah. And um, that is some of who I am, but I remember going to the Covenant House in um, Los Angeles, in Hollywood. And I stood up there and these people did not see anything about themselves in me until I told them. I'm Natasha Miller. I own a profitable multi-million dollar business. And I lived in a homeless shelter just like this. They all stood up and were draw to the ground and clapping. Were they clapping for me? Maybe. Were they clapping for their the opportunity they saw in me for themselves? I hope so. Yes, love it. Like same same thing when I speak more so at the inner city schools, so where where the students are more more diverse. Mm-hmm. And then same thing, like I'll walk in and they'll see me and just think I'm gonna just regurgitate with all the people of color <laughs> leaders talk yeah. about, but but I don't go in that direction. You know, it's like, I'm very big into self accountability. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, if I was like, if your parents are poor, you have to change it. You know, if you're in, 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 a, in an abusive health household, there's choices for you. It's like you don't have to stay there. It's like there's choices. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to just show them that you have the power, even right now at this age, you have the power to break the cycle. Like if you don't break it, it's going to continue. And then you're going to grow up and the same thing's going to happen with your kids. 
because that's yeah. all you know that becomes Listen, your normal. That's the proudest element of my life is that I stopped dead in the tracks, my family history and legacy of abuse and it's not going to go forward. My daughter Bennett is 26 and there's no way that she's going to do that to her children. So that's, that's my marker. Yeah. And, and I, and I love it. I love it. Cause that's what, what, like it says above, you know, your true power lies in your story. Like I had someone on, I don't know, 180 show, shows ago, I want to say. And uh, same same thing. Like when I got her her materials, like her bio and the questions and all that stuff back when I used to do it, that that was like I'm going through and I'm like, there there has to be more, more to this story. And then I go to her website. It says, you know, she came from humble beginnings, but it didn't really say much else. Mm-hmm. And then so I get her on the show and I start firing my questions and doing my thing. And, and she grew up dirt poor. Mm. You know, I, I was like, you you gotta insert that into it because same same thing. We know how humble special. is a little different than well, yeah. destitute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you know, you know how stereotypical this world is. You know, people will look, look at you and assume one thing. They'll look at me yep. and assume one thing. And you know, when you look at her, she got the picture with the big house and you know the mm. family trip to Disney and everything else. And, but then once you get into the story, kind of how I said with you, when you get to the end, it just makes that that much more awesome. Yeah. You know, so I was glad that that she got vulnerable and, sh- and shared all that. But okay. she said the same thing. She's like, I don't want my kids to go through this. Right. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about storytelling for a second. OK. Because um, I also do that as well. I, I actually created a program in 2020 called Speak About Yourself Out Loud. Oh, and, 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 and where it stemmed from, although now I'm kind of morphing it into helping people overcome trauma, but not from the medical sense. It's like, you know, you've gone through counseling, you finished counseling, and now you're ready to tell your story. Mm-hmm. I, I take them from there. Mm-hmm. But how it stemmed from was, remember when everything went virtual? Yeah, and, and I do. You, and you get on these virtual Zoom calls and whatever, and they ask you to introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many people were bad at it. Like so many people. And so I just started inboxing people like, hey, I can help you with that intro. Like, hey, I can help you with that intro. Mm -hmm. And like about 20 people took me up on it. And I was like, I'm on to something here. And so I just created a program to adjust a a problem. So I'm just just curious what your process is. For introducing myself or telling a story? Well, we'll just help just helping people tell the story. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Yesterday, someone asked me, you know, who are you and or how would you describe yourself? And I said, it really depends on who I'm talking to. So you have to know your audience. Mm. If I rattled off all the things that I've done, that I'm good at, that I like, it there's no one clear direction. But, you know, for you, we're talking about the specific things. So I'm going to stay within those reins. And if it, if your questions take me otherwise or other where, you know, other places, then I'm going to respond to that. So it really depends on who I'm talking to. Am I going to go to the Covenant House today and talk about SOPs and EBITDA and business strategy with these people? Probably not, unless I hear from them that that's an important topic that they're interested in. So I think that's really important is, you know, know your story, know your story points, but also know your audience. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's that's key because the way I speak to the high school kids is different if I'm doing a w- women's empowerment seminar, which yeah. is different if I'm training athletes you know, yes. or speaking to athletes. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, at people's core, so I'll, I'll, I'll use a quick example. So this, this woman... This woman had a stroke and a heart attack in mm. her mid thirties. Oh and gosh. so I overheard her on an Instagram live. Like she's here, she's here in Rhode Island. She was on another, another fitness coaches um, IG live. And I was just listening to it. And I was, I was just like, there's, there's more to this story. It's like, mm. she's like dancing around some major details here. And so again, I inboxed her and I was like, Hey, I know, I don't know you, but I heard you on coach Costa's uh, IG live. I said, and I want, I just want to help you better tell that story. Mm. I said, said, I said, you know, you, you did a well enough job to where I listened for the whole half an hour. I said, but there's power there that I feel you're missing. And so yeah, we, and it takes practice as well. I mean, people, yes. I, I have sung the national anthem for 40,000 people many times. Yeah. That takes practice to get to that level and that yeah. level of comfort. And the same with anyone, um, you know, trying to tell their, their story or introducing themselves. It's not going to be great necessarily yeah. the first time. Well, you used the word earlier, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's, that's the, that's the thing that people are afraid of. Cause mm-hmm. like almost everyone I work with that, they always say, well, I don't know if I should say that. I don't know if I should include that. What if that makes me cry? I'm like, that makes you human. It does. <laughs> I will human. say though, this um, Rob, I do believe that there is a time and a place and an audience to uh, let that vulnerability through yeah. so that you're not necessarily pigeonholed just for the vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I said too, that I kind of focus on trauma. So, mm-hmm. you know, with trauma, PTSD, like you kind of, you kind of got to go there, <laughs> but, yeah. but no, I, I agree. I agree with that. But, but since I only worked with, with her twice and, I, and I'm not, I'm not take, taking credit. All, all I did was just pick her brain and then just, just show her some PowerPoints in her story. Mm-hmm. And she's now the local face of the American Heart Association. Oh, wow. You know, just, That's great. just from strengthening up her story some. Mm-hmm. So like there, there's lots of power there. All right. So out of everything that you do, what is your favorite? Everything that I do. Whew. Ooh, making you think. I know everything that I do. So th- my favorite things are the outcomes of the things yes. that I do. Right. Yes. So with the book, let's take that for an uh, example. It's a bestseller. It sold over 6,000 copies the first week it went out. Nice. I will make some money on that. But the book sales, the bestseller lists the money that comes from that. They are valuable to me, but people's reaction to the book, their messages to me and their posts about how it affected them, that is what makes me happiest. Now, does writing my memoir, creating that book, figuring out how to publish it and marketing it, does that fill me up to a degree? But the thing that is the most amazing is the feedback. And it, it, it's not necessarily, oh, you're great, Natasha, or you're a, such a great writer, but that my life experience has lit them up, um, inspired them, made them make a move. That is amazing. 
thing. And that's how you know you're doing what you were called to do. Yeah. That's how, that's how you know, because I, I feel the same way. Now, I, I did see in your bio about working on your business and not mm-hmm. in your business. And that's yeah. where that's where I, I go wrong in the fitness business, because I love being there. I love it's being okay. in there. It's okay if you love it right? It's okay if you don't want to scale and grow your business, right? It's fine. But if you do want to scale and grow your business, it has to be beyond you. You cannot be the person um, running day to day, doing the sales, doing the marketing, working with the people. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but it's, you know, it's your choice. It's a decision. Well, actually what I'm in the process of doing now is the guy that we I rent space from them at this big, big gym and I'm very good on the operational side. I'm mm-hmm. not very good on the business side. Mm. He's, he's, he's got all the operational stuff dialed in. So it's like, why don't we just merge? Yeah. Strategic you know, partnerships are yes. great. I said, let me stay in my 5% of genius. Cause like I said earlier, I'm great at making people believe in themselves. Yeah. And get them to push beyond that comfort zone. It's like, I belong on the floor, rah, rah, and high-fiving, you know, getting people. And it obviously fills up. you up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's like, you, you can always tell when someone's, because like they just, their aura just changes, you know? Yeah. And like when, when you were just talking a second ago, I was like, yeah, like she just stepped right into that soul lighting, lighting yeah. phase. Yeah. Because it's an amazing thing. Like when, when we had to close the other gym that we opened because a uh, landlord made us leave. Mm-hmm. And so when we closed it up, I have a private Facebook group with my clients and I had, I had written for them to just post their best memories from being there. Yeah. And, and, and I was thinking like people, people lost, you know, hundreds of that thousands of pounds and people just improved so much physically and gained muscles doing pull-ups. And it was all about, you taught me to believe in myself. You helped me find my self-worth. You know, like you, you help, you help me, you know, you gave me the courage to move on from a toxic relationship <laughs> and, and, and just so much, so many things that had nothing to do with fitness that I didn't even, it's like, I kind of knew, like, you, you know, you're doing it, but you just didn't think it, it was that deep, Yeah, you know? And I was like, wow, this is way bigger than fitness. Right. Yeah. Way bigger. All right. So what else do you want to share with me? I mean, we covered so much. I think if people want to reach out to me or find out about me or, I don't know, <laughs> read the book, you can go to officialnatashamiller.com and that will point you to all the different directions uh, if you want to learn more about the book or entire productions or the courses that I teach. And I'm really just thankful to have met you. And um, it's a great way to go into now my next endeavor, going to the Covenant House and having this energy with me. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Let Let's cut. Let's touch on one more thing. When I looked at your one sheet, I don't remember it word for word, mm-hmm. but it said three tips for something. So let's talk about those three tips. Yeah, I, I think it might have been three tips on how to scale and grow your business. So I, I think it, I think it had something to do with mindset. Yeah, you know, I don't know what is on that one sheet. Uh, Honestly, okay. I haven't seen it for uh, a few months because of my book launch. Uh, but I mean, okay. I have three tips on about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because before before we wrap up, let's let's revisit again. So you went from from a place of tension, trauma, abuse, being scared, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless as a teen, 
that ended up in a homeless shelter. And then you worked your way through that, stepped into your passion with music, worked on building up a now multi-million dollar business, and you're helping other people as well. Mm-hmm. So to, to that person who was where you started, what is your mm-hmm. message to them? I mean, the things that I said is, number one, no one's coming to save you. You got to save yourself. Number two, the shortcut is do the work, right? And I'm going to leave it at those two because I don't want to overwhelm. But those two are the main points of how I got from where I was to where I am now. And then one one last question. When, When people say, you know, the best things come to those who eat. What do you feel about that sentence? Um, Best things come to those who wait, those who are patient, maybe. I mean, listen, you actually have to also make your dreams your reality. You can't just wait for them. (laughs) So (laughs) there's got to be patience in there, but you also have to be doing something. You can't just wait it out. It is never going to happen if you don't do anything about it. Yes, uh, that, I like that reframe, you know, best things come to those who are patient. And that, that is true. It's, it's funny, in the gym just this morning, I was talking with one of my clients. She, she's working on doing unassisted pull-ups. Mm. And so she still takes a little jump off of the box. And so I told her today, I'm like, all right, it's time to stop jumping. And she's like, yeah, yeah, but but you told me to a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's <laughs> time know? to it's like, let go I'm, of the yeah. assist. Yes. She, and then one of the other women, she she's up to doing three now. But before wow. the before the pandemic, I think she was doing seven or eight. Mm. And and so she's like, oh, I know I, I just did three today. It's so frustrating. Like it's, you went, you when you came back, when we reopened from COVID, you were doing none and you put on 18 pounds. OK, I'm like, you've lost the weight and you just did three. I said, your problem is you're impatient. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. keep keep doing what you're doing and you're going to get back to where you were. Like you just want it now and it doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll uh, we'll call, call it a wrap there. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I also do all-star panels if you're interested. I'll show you what, what it looks like. I bring back I bring oh, back five of my my prior guests. We, okay. we, we pick a topic. And we just spend 75 minutes going over what the topic is. So let's do I, it. I just sent out invitations for the one in May. So okay. um, the one in June, I'm probably going to do, I got to check my my race schedule, but I think June 11th. It, it'll either be June 11th or June 18th. I don't, I don't know if you if you do things on the weekends, but Saturdays seem, seem to work out best, best for yeah. it. Let me know and um, I will work on scheduling it in and, and hopefully it will all just work out lovely. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of things happen with these panels too. And so with you, I had, I've done a bunch of episodes with people who are in the entertainment industry. Hmm. So, so I try to group people with like, like-minded industries so we can bounce off, bounce off each other and collaborations have happened from these panels. Yeah. So I bet. You, yeah. So you never know where it's going to go. And then last thing, do you want, want to get booked on other shows? Because I have a b- bunch of podcast friends. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, listen, the more the merrier and let's just all work together. Absolutely. Exactly. It's like uh, collaboration beats competition any day of the week. 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So on that note, again, thank you very much. Um, if you're on Facebook, shoot me a friend request because um, I make the connections with with my friends on Messenger. Just because emails can yeah, because emails can get buried. Yeah. And then and then like when, once you guys connect, if you want to send them to your publicist, feel feel free. But okay, you know, we'll do it that way. Thank you so much. I'm off to Jack London Square to the Covenant House. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for this time. My pleasure. Have fun. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was Natasha Miller. If you're just checking in, please make sure you watch this whole episode. We shared so much, so much nuggets. You got a great story starting out homeless. Now she has a multi-million dollar business, but the power is in that journey. So make sure you tune in for the whole thing. If you got a long drive, if you're going on a walk or something, I know an hour can be a long time, but you people know that you binge watch Netflix. So don't be trying to tell me one hour is too long for you to work on yourself. That's all I got for you. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind. <laughs>